Hey guys, Shane Winnings here, and I'm excited to be sharing with you about unity. You know, unity is the sixth promise of a promise keeper. And we say here, a promise keeper is committed to reaching beyond any racial, denominational, generational, and cultural barriers to demonstrate the power of biblical unity. Unity is so important in the body of Christ. And here at the Promise Keepers, we have a couple key verses when it comes to unity. Psalm 133, 1 says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Ephesians 2, 14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. We are no longer separated from God because of Jesus Christ. It's incredible. We have unity with the Father again. And Colossians 3, 14 but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And today, I really want to focus on love because I believe that love is what is going to break all barriers. And, you know, maybe you're listening today or watching this and you're thinking, yeah, you know, love, but what about this or what about that? You know, we need a strategy. We need these, these other ideas. I'm here to encourage you that it's much simpler than we've made it. I believe in the world we have good-hearted people that are tapping into earthly wisdom trying to fix the problem of disunity in our country and in our world. And we really need to go back to the Bible because I believe it is as simple as putting on love. Colossians 3.14 says it's the bond of perfection. How many of you know that if something's perfect, it doesn't need to be added to? And I don't know about you, but I want to run after perfection in Christ. And as we know, the Bible says, love covers all sin. Love is the goal of our instruction as Christians, and it's the number one way that people will know that we belong to God. That's what Jesus said. And so if you want unity, you must love. You know, like I said, all other ideas are worldly, and they may come from a good place, but if they're not rooted in the truth of God and his word, then they're temporal, which means that they're not eternal. They're not going to last. You know, we might try to love someone in a way that we think is best, but if it's not rooted in the word of God, then it's going to be something sensual and it's going to appeal to flesh. You know, how many of you know, you can watch TV, you can scroll on social media, that we live in a sensual world? You know, people are driven by emotions and by their flesh. People are constantly making decisions that are driven by the way that seems right to a man, which the Bible says ends in death. We need heavenly wisdom. And so I want to tap into heavenly wisdom. Will you join me today as we run after unity together? You know, if you want unity, you must love. We need love and God is love. Listen to what 1 John 4.20 says. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. That is some strong language. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. You know, I have seen a lot of people that say they love God but have done things at the cost of someone else's reputation or name or expense. And 
First John 4.20 is a very convicting scripture regarding that. You know, if we love God, we will love our brother. And to do that, we have to understand how God sees us. I can't love someone if I don't even understand how I'm loved by God. If I don't have a concept of love, how can I expect to love someone else truly? And this is why Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you finished it for me. You know the scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm not getting into this whole, you know, woke self-love thing. So don't tap out of this video just yet. Hear me out. There's a reason it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Unity begins with you. Do you know how God sees you? Do you know that you are valuable to God, that he paid a high price for you? The highest price was paid. You know, the Bible says that Jesus chose the cross because of the joy that was set before him. You are the joy that was set before Jesus Christ. He chose you on purpose, even at your worst. The Bible says in Colossians 1.21 that we were enemies of God. We were hostile. The way that we think and act, our very nature makes us enemies of God. But he loved us so much that Romans 5.8 says he demonstrated that love. He didn't just talk about it. He showed it by sending Jesus to the cross while we were still sinners. And the rest of that verse in Colossians 1 verse 21 through 23, I believe, it says that now, because of what Jesus has done, we are presented to God by Jesus Christ as holy, blameless, and above reproach, which means of extreme integrity or perfect. Because of Jesus's work on the cross, we are seen by God at all times as holy, blameless, and righteous. Now, if I ask you honestly, When's the last time you saw yourself that way? When's the last time you said in the mirror, God, I thank you that you have made me holy and blameless and righteous because of your son. Nothing I've done. Your word says that my righteousness is like filthy rags, but you have imputed. You have given me your righteousness. You have given me salvation as a gift simply because by grace through faith in you, I believe. God, thanks for loving me. Thanks for making me who I am today. Help me to see others the way that you see me. When's the last time you prayed like that? Did you even know that you could? Because the truth is that is what God's word says about you and says about me and says about everyone else. And so we have this idea, we have this understanding that, wow, God loves me so much that he sent Jesus to die. Okay, I understand that. Jesus loves me so much that he chose the cross. He wasn't dragged there by the soldiers against his will, kicking and screaming. He even said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. And there's no greater love than one who would lay his life down for his friends. You see, Jesus knew that by paying the price on the cross, he would achieve access to God for us. His blood removes our sin so that we could pursue relationship with our heavenly father. And so now we can be unified again. You know, in the garden, it says that God was walking through the garden in the cool of the day to go see Adam and Eve. We were always meant to fellowship, to be one with God. Genesis 1, it says that God made man in his image. It actually says, let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit were together in perfect unity and created you and I from that place. And when we sinned in the garden, we were cut off from God. Jesus came and restored what was lost. 
that relationship. Now we can know our identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We can know that we're holy and blameless and righteous before Him because of Jesus's sacrifice. Are you with me so far? Okay, so now that I, can you tell I'm getting excited because this is the truth, this is the gospel. Now that I'm right with God because of what Christ did, not by my own works because I'd be able to boast and I can't ever earn my salvation. This is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. But because of the gift of salvation that came from Jesus' sacrifice, now I am right with God because I believe. So now in the sight of God, I'm holy, blameless, and righteous at all times. Okay, that's amazing. Now check this out. That is how God views every other person who's born again, holy, blameless, and righteous. How does he view the ones that aren't born again? How does he view those that are far from him? Well, Hebrews tells us that for the joy that was set before Jesus, he chose the cross. God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. So if you're born again, I know that you're holy, blameless, and righteous before God because of Jesus. If you're not born again, I know that God loves you and he showed that love on the cross through Jesus Christ and that Jesus was stoked to go to the cross because he knew he'd be purchasing you and your right to know the Father. So when I'm in my prayer closet, I'm praying this over myself. I'm saying, God, you love me. This is how you see me. You paid the price for me when I didn't deserve it. Thank you, Father. Help me to see others the way you see me. When you pray that way, the spirit of offense and the victim mentality completely leave. This is how Jesus could pray, how he could say on the cross when they were killing him, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How? The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, if you don't, lo- if you don't know God, if you don't love, you don't know God. Sorry, I'm getting twisted over my words here. If you don't love, you don't know God. So Jesus wasn't offended by these guys. He wasn't holding a grudge against them. His heart broke for them because they don't know God. And as Christians, we understand the penalty of sin and the the heartbreak that comes from not knowing God. You see, life is much bigger than us. How could Jesus be offended when their soul is hanging in the balance? Their eternity is up for grabs. And all he wants is for them to know God. And so he says, Father, Please don't hold this against these men. They don't know what they're doing. If only they knew you, they wouldn't be doing this. And this is what Jesus is saying to all unbelievers. He's saying, hey, I know who you are. I love you. I'm paying the price so that you can know God and know yourself. I know who you could be with my spirit inside of you. Come on, just receive my love. That is what Jesus Christ is saying from the cross, and that is what we should be saying to others. How do we break down all these different barriers and this disunity? We carry the same love that Jesus Christ carried. You see, you can't love someone if you're caught up in yourself and you're caught up in pride and you're offended and and you're a victim of everything. Come on, Jesus was not a victim. He didn't have a bad day. Can you imagine Jesus going off to the side and, and Peter coming over and just saying, Lord, what's wrong? And he's like, guys, I don't know about this whole thing. Listen, I had a bunch of followers and they all left because of a hard message. I even fed thousands of them miraculously. And all they do is call me the devil and I'm healing the sick and they're, they're telling me that I'm doing it by demons. And, and guys, I don't know. I got a lot of thinking to do. You know what? You and the boys just pray for me. I, I, I need some prayer. I, I don't know. I, I, I need to rethink some things. I'm really hurt, man. Can you picture Jesus saying that? 
No. Why? Because he never lost sight of why he was on the earth and he never lost sight of the identity of the people that he was before. And guess what? He's never lost sight of your identity either. And we have the ability through the Holy Spirit to be transformed from the inside out so that we never lose sight of other people's value either. And so if you want to walk in unity, I want to encourage you today to see the way Jesus saw. Get alone with him in the prayer closet, in the secret place, and say, God, show me how much you love me. Show me the high price you paid for me. Help me to catch a revelation of while I was a sinner, you died for me. You paid a high price. You see the value of my life, and I want to see others the way that you see me. Jesus, I have to love the way you do so that we can see unity in this nation and in this world. Amen. Well, God bless you guys, and I believe that as we seek Christ and get his perspective, we'll leave our homes with something to give people instead of something to need, and that will bring unity.